You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 199 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on January 21st. Roger, we are on the doorstep of issue 200, and yet every single time I panic that I hit publish instead of save draft on our show notes. Ironically, I was just reading the show notes because I was like, (laughs) crap, I forgot to read the show notes again. But there's nothing there that I didn't know about, so it's all right. Yeah. It, in all fairness, they weren't there a half hour ago. <laughs> Last time, they were there several days in advance. So. See? And this is why I don't bother reading them, because I know you're <laughs> going to be lollygagging about and not put them up until right before the show. Yeah, I probably only have myself to blame for that one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, as for what we're talking about this week, I wanted whoa, to whoa, dive whoa, in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we even get to that... At least we can talk about the one thing that you sent me this week that made me happy. The announcement about the Attack on Titan crossover coming ah. for free comic book day. That made my freaking day, I have to say. That was, that was <laughs> like, you touched me in my happy place. I was so happy. Well, you know, it, you got to balance it out because it's being published in the same issue as the Secret Wars I don't free care. comic book day. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I just think it's freaking awesome. I've been looking forward to this. And so that's going to be a reason. I don't care if I'm on my freaking crutches that day this year going to Free Comic Book Day. Wasn't it about the point you could just send your kid for you? There's no fun in that. Part of the fun <laughs> is actually of fun in that. <laughs> going and interacting and talking to people and stuff. I, I've, I'm more social than you are, which is kind this of is surprising. True. But you're also in Miami. I mean, I'm in Canada. We like talking to each other. <laughs> you know, you stand there, you talk to each other, you have fun. You apologize if you bump into each other. Nobody cuts in line in front of you. Everybody's well behaved. It's awesome. So, yeah, I actually enjoy doing those. Oh, what a fantasy world. Yeah, for you, yeah. <laughs> Here, it's every day. All right, can I go on now? Yeah, sure, with that. All right. So for what we're discussing this week is a miniseries I was actually really enjoying. Uh, it wrapped up, I believe last week was the last issue, and it's from Valiant Entertainment. It is the death-defying Dr. Mirage, written by Jen Van Meter, art by Roberto De La Torre and David Barron. And I've made no ch- attempts to hide that I always like supernatural stories, and this was right up my alley. How did you like it? I loved it. I found that at points it was... A um, little confusing. Not really mm-hmm. confusing in that, like, what I, de- the I definitely got a lot more out of it on a second read-through. Yeah, I can imagine. And again, when I say confusing, it's not that you don't know what's going on or things like that. It's just that the flow is kind of lost at points. And it's one of those I go back to often and 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 say, like, I'm quite certain that the writer, when writing it, it made sense to them. But they didn't write it in such a way that it always was clear to us as the audience. At least that's, again, my take on it. So it's not that it ever took me out of the story or was so jarringly off that I didn't know what in the hell was going on. No, no, not at all. It's just it was kind of like, again, it was a little confusing at points and not quite clear enough. Mm-hmm. But overall, as for the, spectacular. 
just yes. to lay that down so people know what I felt about it. Mm-hmm. As for the story itself, our main character is Shan Fong, better known as the celebrity paranormal expert, Dr. Mirage. Uh, when the story starts off, she's at a support group for widows that her agent set her up with because you know, she can see the ghosts of their significant others that passed on. And we come to find out this is very hard for her because her husband, or I think it was just her boyfriend. I don't know if husband. they ever actually got married. Yeah, husband. It was husband? Yeah. Okay. Uh, himself passed on, and that's the one ghost that she can't see. So we right off the bat, we have a, a lot of interesting development with her. And I, even, even with the small little scenes of you know the husbands and wives, I, it really came across well. It, it was really, really quite good. I mean, this is nothing new, not not just in terms of our own reality, people trying to schlep this, but in terms of comics, you see this kind of story often enough and very well handled and not overdone either to lay that groundwork down where they make a big drama out of it. Not at all. This is just a few pages in and then boom, from there you're thrown into the actual meat of the story. It was a really good way of laying that groundwork down so that we know the character and and her plight and also her character to a certain degree just because you see how stoic she is about this. I mean, I've been married going on over 20 years now and if this kind of thing happened and it was like that, my wife's the one person I can't talk to, I'd be bawling in a corner all the time. <laughs> you ghosts leave me alone. But but this character is very stoic about it and just going on living. So you learn a lot in just a few pages. See, and it it ties into one thing that we keep coming back to a lot here, and that's some of the story elements in this in, in this comic definitely have a bit of the you know the cliche aspect to them but they're all handled yeah. very well and it all ties together into an overall superb story yeah so we come to find out she's hired by a rich man named linton march who says he was part of project sockeye which uh is related to project paperclip which was an actual real world thing recruiting nazi scientists to the american cause except they were recruiting nazi occult experts and he got himself in a bit over his head. He's bound to some demon he keeps in his basement and needs Mirage to help him out. She wants absolutely none of this until the demon says he knows where her husband is. And that, of course, gives her all the motivation she needs to dive into the other side. This, at this point now, now we're getting into an original premise. I, mm-hmm. I thought that this was newer ground again starting off with stuff that, ah, we've seen this before. It's well handled, but we've seen this. And then all of a sudden kind of playing these cards and going, Oh, this is, this is fresh. And you know, it's not often we say that kind of stuff with, (laughs) with comics. So it was like, I, I was really, and again, let's look at this. Now we are not even a third of the way through the first issue by this point or around the, 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 the third to halfway mark and already, invested wholeheartedly for the rest of this miniseries. So again, superb pacing from the writer. Yeah. And once she crosses over into the other side is where the comic really takes off, especially with the artwork. The artwork was fantastic in these issues. Really like just super deep blacks that take up a lot of page space. And of course that makes everything very striking the colors, 
they alternate between being washed out and very vibrant. Like each area of the afterlife has its own unique feel from a coloring and an artwork perspective. It's it's gorgeous. I agree. I agree. And I do like that it is at different points too. It's the the whoever did I'm not gonna bother looking, but whoever did the colors there That would be David Barron. Was very really tied in the colors with the story. It wasn't just about making each page, mm-hmm. each panel be the best that it can be, but just but rather to really use the colors effectively with what the story is trying to convey. So there are pages where there's really not a lot of colors or they're muted browns and things like that and green tones, but then your attention is drawn to where it needs to be and using the same kind of colors with the font colors at different times as well. And then you have some where it's more of the, whether it be a memory or things like that, or of her speaking to different ghosts while she's inside of the, whatever we're going to call this place. And you get the, 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 the light blues and whites and everything working really nice together. Like the coloring was really surprisingly good and it's not because it jumped out of uh, off the page at you but rather because it worked so bloody well working with the story Mm -hmm. one thing i also really enjoyed about you know once she crosses over and like the real meat of the comic starts is you know she's not dr strange she's not ghost rider she doesn't fight the 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 spirits and the demons and whatnot all through the story, she gets through on her wits and her knowledge and her just general ability. Like We see a lot here of her having to bargain with the various spirits to get her way across, having to trade stories and memories in exchange for their help. I really enjoy that we had five issues of comics with, what, maybe four pages of action together. And not just that, but it was her working with other people and accepting mm-hmm. their help in order to get by, which is again not something that we see often enough it's more about conflict or or overcoming and battling whereas this was working with these spirits or these other people or whatever in order to attain what it is that she wanted to do really it 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 strikes uh, um, a profound theme for the entirety of the series from that point on so that when you do have scenes where they are fighting it is far more impactful as well. Mm-hmm. Like for example, uh, for our listeners, there's a great scene about halfway through or near the end of the second issue, maybe somewhere in the third, where they come across this town, I guess you would call it, where there's a giant cage set up yep. in the middle. And there's always somebody in the cage. The only, and while they're in the cage, they're just subject to ridicule and torture and every bad thing you could imagine. The only way to be let out is for someone to grant them mercy and put themselves in. I'm like, well, why would anybody do that? Well, because then the person you let out owes you a favor. And as we talked about, bargains and balance are very important in you know this version of the afterlife. So Mirage frees this man so that he'll owe her the favor and she can cash it in for getting uh, him to guide her. And in exchange, you know, later on, she tricks the demon general that's been chasing her across uh, you know 
the other side. We need to come up with a better word for it because it's never actually named in the comic. Yeah. They just assume you're going to have your own thing and go along with it. No, she's going to bust in and try to get her out and get trapped himself and that nobody is going to want to free that jerk. So it, it's just, again, it's very creative. It's very intellectual and not something we see enough of. Yep. So, yes, while she's there, she meets up with this demon general who's amassing his army to storm into the real world. And this is where the plot gets a little more complex. We come to find out that March isn't quite the innocent man he professed to be. He's not bound to the demon. And, and, goodness. (laughs) In fact, the demon is bound to him and the other members of his group who are just, you know, after power and willing to resort to any means necessary and March wants out. That's why he sends Mirage over. As we then discover that since the initial ritual that was supposed to bring the demon general over grabbed the wrong guy, it wasn't executed properly, it's, that is what created this huge gap and that you know the real world and the supernatural world are in danger of spilling into each other and this is what now Mirage has to solve. She has this incredible evil that she can't let into the world, this demon and these evil jerks trying to play everything for their own power, and yet still at the same time trying to find her husband. And even once he do- when she does find him, finding out everything that has to go on there, their own little personal quest to get him freed, it all comes crashing together in a very dramatic climax. Yes, yes, very, very much so. And we're not going to say anything about how it ends. <laughs> Although I, I will say, like, in in a bubble, I feel the ending was a little too happy. Well, I guess we're, we are going to have to discuss because I do have some points to make. Well, you just uh, spoiled it any way you look at it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I won't tell you how it's resolved. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's a little too happy. I, I liked the the sad ending, if you will, like I felt it gave it a little more weight, but also knowing that it's going to be carrying over into another volume of the comic. I can, I can accept yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. It was, I liked the way that it was going. And I thought because it's, you know, not one of the big two publishers that maybe they'll take more chances with the, the way that a story is ended and things like that. So I, I quite like that, which, which isn't to say that that ending was perfect either because it too relied on certain cliches as well mm-hmm. which is kind of hard to discuss without giving specifics but trust me you'll know when you read it so when they kind of put in the that alternate ending at the end well not alternate but the, the other ending at the end it was yeah. the the post credits cop out basically yeah well I, the way i looked at it was the you know the rewrites if this was a movie and they'd had a screening and they rewrote the ending just to appease everybody but then the way I looked at it is that, okay, now you've set up characters for if they use them in other series that mm-hmm. are going to be very interesting and very dynamic in their own right and have this fantastic history as well. So when you look at it as a, a setup to that, that platform to other series, then it works very well. Yeah, like, for example, uh, Dr. Mirage showed up in a couple issues of the Shadow Man comic that I read. And that was actually published before this miniseries, but I didn't read it until after I'd read this. So, you know, seeing her pop up and in a role that was very suitable for her was was a cool thing. Yeah. One other interesting thing about this whole comic and the way it ended, and even with the subject of taking chances, what we've seen so far from Image, or Image, goodness, from Valiant, <laughs> is that pretty much everything they're doing is still resurrecting old 90s properties and modernizing them. 
Well, when I did a little research about the original version of Dr. Mirage, the original Dr. Mirage comic that was published had uh, when her husband was the main character. And as we see here, yes, he was the Dr. Mirage and she took his name and all that. But it was his comic and he had a completely different woman as his sidekick. So now that we have the new version of Dr. Mirage and we look at it with the female being the lead character, being the Dr. Mirage, and Hwen basically being the sidekick, that is a great way to turn something on its ear, modernize it, and make it great. Actually, that makes me want to read those other ones to see if they were any good as well and see how much is tied back into this. It's the 90s, Roger. Don't do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when, when has that adventure ever ended well? As long as Lee Field isn't doing the art for it, <laughs> it'll be all right. It's the 90s. It's all Lee Field yeah, style. Yeah, like, yeah I look it back at some of those old stuff and I go, yeah, they were trying to Lee Field this thing. Yeah. But yeah, overall, a fantastic miniseries. Really enjoyed it. Great characters, great story. Loved the way it was told. The artwork fit it perfectly. Five issues. And like I've said, Valiant is a publisher that I really admire and I want to support. And this is a good way to go about it because it's very self-contained as well. Cool. All right. Into what we're reading. I actually have a bunch this week. I normally try to limit myself. Have you been keeping up with Injustice? Yes. Did you notice that issue 14 was Tom Taylor's last issue? No. Did, yes. I, I might have missed 14 then. Because I I noticed it like subconsciously, but I didn't actually notice it until somebody mentioned it on Twitter that, yeah, 15 and 16 were written by uh, Brian Buccoletto. And going back and looking at those two issues, like I actually did notice a shift in the tone of the comic with, uh, you know, it... The last issues that Taylor wrote were phenomenal with the whole dream sequence with Superman. It's just a great way to cap off his run on that comic. And issues 15 and 16 involve uh, Wonder Woman waking up because she's been out of action since the first uh, series of Injustice. And showing up and like it's it's not bad. It's it's still a, a, a solid read, but things that just didn't like really annoyed me. Like they wake up Superman off panel. Like this is a huge plot point and it happens off the page and he just kind of shows up and he's like, Oh yeah, uh, Aries was here. He made them all better now. Like I was, I remember reading that. And I was like, man, that's, it doesn't, it just didn't feel right. It didn't seem right. And now knowing that it was a different writer, I can uh, see why it didn't quite feel right. Okay. I'm obviously a couple of issues behind. I'll have to dig through and see which ones I missed. Mm hmm. Because like I said the the twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. I think all three of those were the uh, dream world that they had locked Superman away in. Amazing, fantastic stuff. So uh, I guess I guess we're going to be seeing more of him at Marvel now yeah. <laughs> because he's not writing Earth Two anymore either. And those were his only two DC oh, titles. Really? Oh Jesus Christ! He was one of their strongest writers. Him and Snyder. Yep. Well, that is too Marvel bad. poached him, and DC went fine. See you later, buddy. Oh man, that is too bad. Too bad for DC. Yeah. Then again, he's also writing Superior Iron Man over Marvel. Say, not so <laughs> great for Marvel, unless although you were saying people were enjoying that. I, I know people who love it, yeah, and I, there are people whose tastes usually align with my own as well. Hmm. Like I can't say it's it's a bad comic. I, I just can't. don't like the concept. No, I, and I, I no matter how well it's written, I cannot get into it. I've not been enjoying it at all. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Uh, did you read the new Star Wars? Yes, I did. I was going to bring that yeah. up. Which, coincidentally, was uh, my free comic in this month's Loot Crate. <laughs> They've been putting comics in almost every crate at this point. I actually got a... Was it? I think it was the December crate had uh, Batman number 37 with Endgame with one of the best covers I've ever seen. It's hilarious. It's uh, Batman opening up a present and it's just punching him straight in the face. <laughs> I can't get Loot Crate. Well, I can, but it's too bloody expensive. Yeah, Canada's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's the same problem I had with the uh, last run of the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. It's good. I really enjoyed the issue. Like, it felt perfectly in line with oh, the yeah. movies and all yeah. that. I just – setting it in between movies where, okay, yeah, you're filling in gaps. I just – I know how it's going to end. Like there's no, there's no drama in it for me. I know Luke and Leia and Han are going to get out okay. I know eventually the Millennium Falcon is going to take off. Like a lot of the big dramatic points just fall flat for me knowing that eventually at the end of this little series, we're all going to end up on Hoth when the Empire attacks. See, that doesn't bother me. I don't mind the um, in-between stories like this, whether it's a comic book or however you look at it. I, it doesn't bother me in the least. In fact, if it's Normally well it told, doesn't, but for some reason it's bugging me on Star Wars. No, it doesn't bother me. What does bother me about this is that, yes, this is it's very good. I enjoyed it. The characters are The characters are so true to who they are. It's unbelievable. Like, that's freaking Han. There's no mm-hmm. if, ends, or but about it. That's who that is. All the characters are very well written. The, the art style was good, although it, it wasn't necessarily my favorite, but it was good. What I didn't, although the the panel with Chewie jumping out with a gun in his hands, that, yeah, that's my new iPad wallpaper. But <laughs> um, what I, not that I didn't like it, but we've been watching um, The Clone Wars lately. It was we great series. Didn't watch it when it was originally airing, but it's on Netflix, and so we've been watching it. And all of us here love animation. Doesn't matter how old we are. Hell, my wife loves watching these. We we all love, and the animation on the Clone Wars is unfriggin' believable. Like we're talking movie quality kind of thing, and the writing in those is so amazing it blows my mind like these story arcs that they put in there are spectacular and these are like 30 minutes not even when you take out the commercials episodes that you know one a week kind of thing that you you would think you could just breeze through it and it's uh, it's just your typical kind of cartoon no you watch a, a, a story arc that spans you know three four episodes you link them together in one sitting and you've got yourself an absolutely phenomenal movie so because of that it's kind of really spoiled me for what a spectacular star wars story can be because it's obvious that you can do it with these characters and so when i read this yes it was good but it didn't even come close mm-hmm. to matching any of the Clone Wars episodes so far. So I think that he's going to really have to up his game if he wants to create something that goes above and beyond just a regular kind of Star Wars story, but give us something that's impactful and really mind-blowing. This didn't do that. 
and it's a huge missed opportunity overall with Marvel's you know relaunch of the Star Wars comics because the big thing when Disney bought the entire rights to Star Wars is they said all the comics, all the books, none of that ever happened. You know, going forward, the movies, uh, the Clone Wars, and the Star Wars Rebels are the only things that have ever happened in Star Wars continuity. So they gave. I, I have to assume there was some sort of you know mandate, but I mean. When you now have a blank slate to draw upon to go and tell, you know, great side stories and new stuff to to, to go back to the well we've already been to a, a hundred times, it's just disappointing. I I agree. This would have been, um, I, I, like from a marketing marketing standpoint, I can understand that they want to go back to the same time so that they can mm-hmm. try to hit on uh, for those fans of the that time period specifically and do something because not everybody is as thrilled with say the old Republic time and things like that. But we saw what Bioware was able to do with all of those games, not just the recent, uh, well, I say recent between air quotes, but recent MMO, but also the games, the Knights of the old Republics. And then you have the books in that era as well, where they were able to really play with the, the setting and some of the characters a lot more and create spectacular original stories without having to be shoehorned into setting and characters and everything else that's going to be happening kind of thing like we're seeing with this. So I think had they gone a little bit ahead or a little bit before, kind of like the Clone Wars and Rebels, they really could have had a lot more fun, freedom, and do something that is mind-numbingly spectacular and original as opposed to this that's just basically, eh, this is the kind of stuff, put it this way, again, and it's good. I'm not trying to say it's not good. It, It was good. It just wasn't spectacular. And this is the kind of stuff that had this been filmed, it probably would have been edited out. True. So. All right. Moving on. Uh, have you been keeping up with Constantine since we talked about it? No, actually. Mm-hmm. I have not. They, they actually did a cool uh, little crossover story where Constantine ends up on Earth 2, just as Earth 2 is blowing up because Darkseid is invading again. And this is the most true to the classic interpretations of the character story they've done yet. Because, again, what, like I said, what makes those classic Constantine stories so interesting is that he gets in over his head and he is willing to do say and sacrifice anything to get himself out of trouble that more often than not he caused and the way this ended i'm not gonna give anything up but it was it it was the most true to the constantine character they've done since uh bringing him into the new 52 cool all right amazing x-men loved this issue kicking off a new storyline where Sidorak has decided he needs a new avatar so there needs to be a new juggernaut well last time we saw the juggernaut it was colossus and colossus recently joined the amazing x-men in the last story arc i really liked that you know he showed up at the mansion and you know everything went to crap immediately so he just saw you know wolverine grabbed him and said okay pete you're coming to canada with me but now that that storyline's over and he's back at the mansion and back fitting in with the team Storm calls him out and all the crap he's done over the last couple years in the comics, you know, 
being the juggernaut, being the phoenix, teaming up with Cable and a paramilitary illegal organization. So there's a lot of mistrust among the cast and in a very rare occurrence, it's all perfectly deserved. Like I love Colossus. He's always been my favorite X-Men character and he's getting some strong development here because he wants to be there. You know, he knows they're going to need a powerhouse character if somebody else gets the gem, but nobody trusts him around. So he's talking to one of the students and, you know, he's like outside Logan's office looking at the little shrine being all sad as an aside, he's wearing his classic costume from like, yeah, you know, the 80s, look which looks ridiculous when he's not in metal form. <laughs> a little too much. He's leg. just he's walking around in a swimsuit with shoulder pads. <laughs> but it's all fair. I mean, look at what the female characters have to wear all the time. And he's talking to one of the students. And he's like, hey, what would Wolverine do? And she just tells him he'd team up with a teenage girl and go kill everyone. <laughs> And that's where the story ends with Colossus teaming up with the teenage girl and about to go kill everyone. It was great. I, I'm loving it ever since Chris Yost took over. Really, really working for me, these, uh, this issue and the previous story arc. This was really good. This was really good. Again, we look at the, those character moments between Storm and Colossus and everything they've been through, but also looking at all the stupid crap he's been doing mm-hmm. for years now. And this was, oh, I loved this. Because he's not who he used to be. We no. remember him fondly because we remember, you know, Pete and Kitty from the freaking 90s and stuff. And that's not who he is as a person anymore. He's a douchebag. Let's be honest. That's who <laughs> yeah. he is. So... Her putting him in his place like this, and like she is freaking badass about this too. Like, <laughs> but it was everything she said was on point and true. And his little freaking pity party crap about hitting the wall was like, yet again, it's like this is why you're a jackass and you act like this. But it was it was spot on. I I loved it. It was I'm. Really, like, it's going to fall on cliche of, oh, he's going to come to rescue the day and try to be a better person. I'm quite certain, kind of hoping that's not what happens, but I'm fairly certain that's what will. But as a whole, yeah, this was really quite good. And I love the interactions between Iceman and and Kurt as well when they're saying, like, you know, you're enjoying this, aren't you? (laughs) Of course I am. Everything going on with Rock Slide in this issue was hilarious. hilarious. (laughs) The only thing I did not like was the art. I was not a fan of the art. It was all right. Yeah, that, nowhere near as good as we've seen previously. No. Yeah, it was It was not good in my opinion. Well, I shouldn't say not good. It wasn't terrible, but I just wasn't a fan. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the latest issue of Avengers. It's just holy crap. That's really all I can say. <laughs> Hickman has taken this to a dark place, and I love it. I'm going to leave it at that. Alrighty, my turn. Now that your you turn. took two of mine, I was going to talk about. How's that feel? I usually leave stuff for you. <laughs> I usually like. Okay, I know Roger's going to talk about this, so I'll just leave it. I'm like, no, I'm taking everything this week. I All had right. feelings. Good for you then. <laughs> well, you didn't take Spider Verse too. I, I, you see, I left you something. Uh, sure, you just forgot. Let's be honest. <laughs> you weren't doing it for me. 
Um, Look back. I always leave Spider-Man for you. All right. Um, this had a crap load of individual stories and some of them only as much as one page kind of thing, which is what we've been seeing mm-hmm. from this now. So it's, it's, it's all right. The, um, the one with the, what one can only assume is in an alternate kind of Africa. What the hell is his name again? Uh, with Anansi. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a little too lighthearted for me. I'm sure that some other people in, probably. In my it experience, it's actually perfectly in fitting with t- traditional tales of the Anansi spider. Okay. So for me, it was like, whatever. Um, the other one, though, the, the with great power comes no future. With The, the spider punk? Yeah. That was freaking cool. That needs to be its own comic now, too. Yeah. That was freaking <laughs> Awesome when you're seeing Venom taking over oh. the 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 um, was that the president who it yeah, kind of President like, Osborne yeah who looks a lot like Reagan let's be honest and I love that Captain America well you know they're they're building on that 80s vibe yeah. so the, the the Captain America is just a freaking dude dressed up by the look of it almost <laughs> kind of thing and that was just amazing and then what was funny is that like I'm seeing him. Like with the guitar and all that, and I'm thinking, which, while I love the artwork in this, that is some screwed up guitar mechanics. They're like, learn to draw a guitar, buddy. But um, I'm 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 seeing that, and I'm thinking, what what are they doing with that? This is gonna wind up being stupid. And it's not until and they actually start playing, and then you're like, oh yeah, this is actually freaking intelligent. And and then when you see who it is too, you're like, dude. I want to see a lot more of this. It was awesome. Slot has created a monster. We we need 17 different ongoing Spider-Man God, series by the time this is over. I would be all right with one that rotates between mm-hmm. all of these characters. I would be more than all right with that. That would be so freaking awesome. And it, they could do it where they they alternate. Like they're always looking for series where they can alternate the art and the writers and stuff like that so they can bounce around a lot more. Here it is. Do it on a regular basis now. It's We've seen it's catching up with the creators. They're all firing on all cylinders and the fans are just going nuts. Yeah. Like, you know, look at how, how much of a hit Spider-Gwen was before she was even published. I saw a picture this weekend of somebody cosplaying as Spider-Punk. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, oh my god. And I also like the little... Uh, the fun little one at the end with the, uh, the, the Mucho Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield. Oh, that oh no, was the Luch, yeah, not the Luchador one. Luchador one was cool too. <laughs> yeah, where they're trying to figure out where there's differences. I love that because it's Peter more often than not in in every universe. Kind of not all of them, of course, but in a lot of them, it's Peter. It's Peter. It's the same character. So they're just kind of like taking this so much in stride that they're having little conversations while they're filling up web fluids and trying to figure out where the difference lies between them. I thought that was – it's just a little slice of action or of Mm -hmm. sanity in between the action kind of thing. Not meant to be anything more, but it was like, that was freaking awesome. I love that. Yeah, I forgot about the luchador. Yeah, that one was cute too. I like that. I'm reading it and then I'm going, oh crap, I'm going to have to find the English <laughs> version of the, and then it's there and it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yes. I actually I, liked it better in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I am Groot, you know, you're just like, yeah. you don't get it. 
Um, Wolverine's number two. You poor guy. Why do you do this to yourself? Somebody asked you. Somebody Your sacrifice you. will be remembered. We're getting more about the... Obviously, they've been planning with um, how they're going to be getting through the adamantium for a while, even though there was no mention made or explanation at any point that this would be possible. But now it's being made to seem like, oh, yeah, this is going to be, you know, all go, going according to plan kind of things. I was like, uh, I hate it when people do that because you, you're just freaking making crap up instead mm-hmm. of explaining it along the way. I I hate that. The, the, the stuff with each of the two teams and how they're, quote unquote working together and a lot more with Mystique and her ending the fight uh, again nothing really that was mind blowing for me and so Dokken is kind of saved again pulling a, a something out of thin air that can heal him oh there's a pen or a, a needle and it's got a fluid that can save him well, isn't that just handy? <laughs> wow. Everybody should carry one of those like a freaking EpiPen in case they lose an arm. It's just out of nowhere. And it's we should like, send uh, a crate of those to DC. Yeah. So it just, I, yeah, this, the writing in this is just, I hate. And then, oh, and there wasn't just four of us that escaped. By the way, there was another one. How, f- we've already, you've already finished two of the miniseries for this. You're now doing the joining of the two in this. And now you're going to say, oh, by the way, there was another one. Woohoo, mysterious. Screw you. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's just poor storytelling. That is not something to be proud of. No, not cool. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh. God damn. God damn. I was worried about this whole your dad thing. They pulled it off. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's one of those, again, where it's like everybody, it's like a a CIA story kind of spy story where you never know who's a spy. Everybody's a spy. Everybody's a double agent. So when initially it was, oh, his old man was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, it was like, ah, crap, not this kind of stupidity. But the way that it's handled, it's handled in such a way that, you know, he didn't go back to it and he only did what he needed to do in order to then be able to get out safely and not have to worry kind of thing. So when you rationalize that in this universe, well, even in the regular Marvel universe, S.H.I.E.L.D. is so unbelievably big and woven into all facets of the government and different other things, then it kind of makes sense that, yeah, there's a higher likelihood of something happening and you being approached by them or whatever. I'm glad that they, they didn't make it so that he was an agent for a, a long time with this sordid pass with mm-hmm. him and all that. No, it was just, he did this thing for this period of time with them and this is how it kind of worked out or not worked out depending on how you look at it. So I thought that was actually a really good way of tackling it. Plus it, it further explains his reaction then to miles when miles told Mm -hmm. him about it kind of thing. 
Which, Even going back to the beginning, yeah. you know, his reaction to find out he was hanging out with Uncle Aaron. Like yeah. now we realized, oh, okay. Yeah, there was <laughs> he, a, he knows all too well what happens when you hang out with Uncle Aaron. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff that tied in together. And the way that I read it is that it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't used as a cop out to explain something that happened in prior episodes. It was used as a way of tying it all together so that you see the big, bigger picture that he had laid out. That might not be the truth. It might have been just trying to tie loose ends, but it didn't, at least it didn't feel that way to me. And the art, again, blending the two styles mm -hmm. was really well done to separate the two. But once again, the, the actual art done, and I, I see I don't even have the names in front of me, but the guy who does the regular art, man, when you're seeing him talking to his old man and you can see there's that glaze of a tear over his eyes. He's not actually crying, but you can see that his eyes are watered over. It's like, God damn powerful. Well done. I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. We'll end on that positive note. All right. A positive note from us for once. Well, for me. Well, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a thorough parade. <laughs> You'll see it again in episode 400. All right. For this week's new releases, Marvel's got a great lineup for us this week. We have all new X-Men number 35, Amazing Spider-Man number 13, Guardians of the Galaxy 23, Legendary Star-Lord number 8, Magneto number 14, The New Powers number 1, Rocket Raccoon number 7, Scarlet Spiders number 3, Spider-Verse Team-Up number 3, and Spider-Woman number 3. Per Dan Slot, the recommended reading order is Scarlet Spiders and Spider-Woman, then Amazing Spider-Man, and then the team-up. Okay. From DC, we have Batman Eternal number 42, Batman Superman number 18, and Justice League number 38. Image brings us yes. Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw number 3, Invincible number 116, and The Wicked and the Divine number 7. Freaking powerful stuff from them. Not to be outdone, IDW <laughs> brings us Borderlands number six, Dungeons and Dragons, Legends of Baldur's Gate number four, the most important comic ever published, <laughs> Galaxy Quest, The Journey Continues number one, Samurai Jack number 16, Jesus. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 42. It's a great week, y'all. <laughs> and from Valiant, we have uh, Ivar Timewalker, number one. It's a new series uh, spinning off from Archer and Armstrong, as well as The Valiant, number two. Save your pennies. I weep for your wallets. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. Remember a few weeks ago where we talked about how much we loved that Joe Hill comic, Welcome to Lovecraft? Well, we talked about one of his movies over on Popcorn Ronin. Not quite as positive on that one, but uh, should be pretty fun to listen to. And of course, we will be very excited to see everybody next week for episode 200. Uh, we're trying to do some fun, interesting stuff. Hope it works out, but we'll see you then. 